Control, this is Bravo 229 or We're under the skin. Everything looks fine. Soarin' to tower. We are ready for takeoff. Mama, don't whoop little Buford. I think you should shoot him instead. Breaking two million years at the bottom of the evolutionary ladder. Let's hear it for W Radio, your information station. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 343 for the week of November 24th, 2013. I'm here to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience and bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are with this podcast, my new Disney in a Minute videos, blog, live broadcast, special events, my Walt Disney World trivia books, audio tours, and more. You can find it all over at www.radio.com. This week's show is brought to you by audible.com where you can get a free audiobook download by visiting audibletrial.com. If you don't have time to read a book, one of the best ways to enjoy it is on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or any MP3 player device. There's lots of Disney titles to choose from. Again, you can visit audibletrial.com slash WDWRadio. You can sign up, get your free audiobook, and download anytime. Again, audibletrial.com slash WDWRadio. So this week, we'll remember and celebrate the life of Walt Disney's daughter, Diane Disney Miller passed on November 19th, 2013. We're going to look back at her life, growing up with Walt Disney as her dad, her influences on him, her marriage to Ron Miller, her work at preserving her father's legacy, the Walt Disney Family Museum, and many personal, first-hand stories about Diane, the true keeper of her father's flame. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package then stay tuned as I'll have some announcements and updates, including information about our next WDW Radio Meet of the Month in Walt Disney World Holiday Edition and special movie screening. Then I'll have more of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. On November 19th, 2013, uh, just a day after the Disney community celebrated the birthday of Walt's most famous son, Mickey Mouse, they also unfortunately had to mourn the loss of Walt's first daughter with the passing of Diane Disney Miller. And today on the show, I'm joined by Jim Corcus as we remember Diane and maybe share some stories about uh, her personal life growing up as the daughter of Walt Disney, as well as what she did later on in life, really preserving uh, feverishly the legacy of her father, the man, not her father, the corporate symbol. So I want to welcome back Jim Corcus. He is the author of The Vault of Walt, Volume 1 and Volume 2, and a brand new book, which we'll talk about at a later time, called The Book of Mouse, a celebration of, appropriately enough, after his birthday, Walt Disney's Mickey Mouse. Jim, welcome back. Lou, always a a pleasure. We're over here at the... uh, uh, Polynesian, where Lou just treated me to uh, breakfast at the Kona Cafe. Uh, however, uh, it, the real treat was uh, as we were eating, a uh, half dozen people came over and recognized Lou's voice and came up and congratulated him. I, I don't know how Lou ever gets a chance to eat anything uh, uh, at all uh, uh, for that. And, and well, How about the people that come up to you and said, Jim, I, I hear your voice all the time, but I never realized how devastatingly handsome you are. Which, of course, never happens uh, <laughs> at all. And uh, if we're going to be totally honest, at breakfast this morning, I'm sort of an afterthought. They can't take their eyes off of Lou. Oh, and Lou is very him. gracious. And go, oh, and by the way, there's Jim Cork. And they look over and they go, oh, hi, Jim. Yes, it's great to meet you. And then they're back to Lou and, and talking about how great it was he was in Spider-Man 500. <laughs> so uh, that's, a, that's a real treat. And it's a, it's a wonderful day uh, uh, out here uh, today, we're we're outside of uh, the uh, the Poly now, uh, uh, and all of the Disney resorts are just 
uh, beautiful, but uh, this is a special treat. And, and it's also a special treat to, uh, to talk about uh, Diane Disney Miller, who, who I knew and who was uh, very supportive of, of uh, my writing and, and uh, my work. And I will tell you that when I first heard the news, it was very similar to what uh, several animators told me when they heard the news about uh, Walt Disney. It, it was like somebody hit you in the, the, the chest and, and all the air left out of your body because it just seemed unbelievable. It, it really did seem like Diane was going to live uh, uh, forever. She was uh, physically uh, uh, fit when I was speaking over at the Disney Family Museum. I was just astounded. I, I saw her bound up uh, two steps at a time up the, up the stairway, you know, uh, uh, with no effort whatsoever. And her mind was razor sharp and she was so excited about so many um, uh, projects that she was working on and, and planning. And, and I think the true loss of Diane really won't uh, come to light for, uh, for several months now, maybe, maybe a year when we start to see things happening or not happening at the Disney Family Museum in, in turn, and Disney research and, and all of that. But as well, much I think, as... I, 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 say, yeah. I think the thing is, you know, when, when we all sort of heard of her passing, it was a shock to everyone because she wasn't sick. Um, she wasn't sick. This is not something, like you said, a sort of analogous mm-hmm. to Walt. Um, this sort of came out of, of left field. We come to find later on that, that she did suffer a fall in, in September and this was as a result of complications to that. So it very much was a surprise to people. But I, I will tell you, from the you know from a Disney community perspective, it was amazing to see the instant response from people on, on the social networks and Twitter and Facebook, this outpouring of concern and love and support for someone who a lot of people really never got to meet personally, but they understood very quickly the, the, her importance to not just the, the company and the brand, but really the family. And, and I will tell you uh, uh, personally, and, and the people who are listening as well too, um, that D- Diane absolutely, sincerely loved it when people came up and, and told her thank you or, or how much uh, uh, her father had, had meant to them and all of that. And she was always gracious. She was always focused directly on the person when when a person would say that. And she was she was just a very classy uh, lady. And, and so what we're going to try and do on this podcast is not mourn her passing, which again was, was this surprise from a, a, a I'll say it, a stupid uh, uh, accident. People didn't even realize she was in the hospital and, and the complications were, were quite uh, uh, severe. But those of us who knew always hoped that, you know, she was going to pull out uh, uh, of this, but we need to, to celebrate who she was and how much she uh, uh, has uh, contributed. But yes, and I think I'm sorry. I, yeah. I think a lot of people, and I think this is important because I think a lot of people know the name, but they don't really know who she was. They they know that she was one of Walt's two daughters. They may not know she was the only biological daughter. Uh, her younger sister Sharon w- was uh, adopted, and so I think you're right. I think it's important that we. You know, talk about her not just as Walt's daughter, but who she because she because of what she did later on in life too. Well, and you know, it's interesting you bring that up because she really was a miracle baby. Uh, uh, Walt had wanted like, and he told people this: he wanted like ten kids. He wanted a huge family. Now, Lillian had uh, his wife had come from a huge family, so she wasn't as excited about <laughs> having another huge family. But uh, anyway, what happened is. Uh, they had uh, tried uh, for many years uh, to have a child, and, and Lillian had had um, uh, two miscarriages, which, which of course had devastated both Lillian and Walt. And uh, so on um, this pregnancy, it, it was a, a, a healthy pregnancy, although they, they did things like, you know, make sure Lillian doesn't leave the house and that type of thing. And... Um, on uh, December 18th, uh, 1933, uh, Walt was at the Disney studio uh, for a uh, luncheon where Parents Magazine was giving him an award for uh, distinguished service to children. 
And uh, uh, he, he was constantly getting these. He got award from Seventeen magazine at one point. So anyway, uh, the woman from the magazine had made this elaborate presentation and uh, Walt Disney's uh, many accomplishments and had given him the award. And just as she was giving him the award, uh, a note had been had been brought in and somebody rushed up to Walt and whispered in his ear. And he grabbed his uh, hat and just mumbled, uh, thank you, and then ran out. And uh, it was... Uh, up to the uh, uh, speaker to inform the rest of the audience that um, uh, Walt had just been informed that his wife had gone into labor at Good Samaritan Hospital and um, they should all, uh, you know, uh, raise their uh, glasses in honor of uh, his uh, new baby that was coming, uh, Diane Marie uh, uh, Disney, and so everybody, you know, uh, eagerly uh, uh, did that. In- interestingly enough, uh, the next uh, day in the Los Angeles uh, uh, Times, uh, they had the headline, uh, Mickey Mouse has a daughter. Uh, so Walt rushed to the hospital. Uh, Lillian said that uh, as she was being put under under anesthesia there, um, the last thing she heard was Walt's cough. Um, and so uh, D- Diane Marie Disney, uh, uh, bouncing baby girl, uh, Walt was just ecstatic. Of course, he wanted a boy, but he figured, you know, boys would be coming too. He, he, he was happy happy with Diane. And here is a um, private story that Diane Disney Miller told me. You won't find this in uh, any books. You'll only... Uh, uh, you only would have heard it from Diane, or you would hear, hear it on this WDW uh, uh, podcast. And and Diane, of course, was very private about sharing certain stories because she felt these were the stories of her and her dad. And once you get that out there, then it belongs to all these other people. You know, she wanted some memories that were just uh, uh, hers. And so a week later, a week from uh, December 18th, that's December 25th, that's Christmas, and in 1933, what had happened is the very popular cartoon, uh, Three Little Pigs, had been released. And, of course, Lillian hadn't seen it. So in the nursery, uh, Lillian is there with Diane, Diane one week old, and Walt comes in and sets up a screen. I think some of you may be old enough to know uh, what that was like coming in and pulling out that screen, and you turn it this way and you pull that way and, and all of that. And uh, Walt ran for them, um, the three little pigs. And Lillian looked over to Walt, and, and uh, she had laughed through the cartoon, and she said, well, seeing this cartoon, um, it makes me wish that I had given you, and Walt thought that she was going to say, oh, a son. And she said, triplets. <laughs> and and they, they both, uh, both laughed. Now... Diane really was a, a, a miracle baby because it, apparently there were some um, physical problems there because a, a, a year or two later, uh, Diane uh, uh, Lillian tried to have a, another child and suffered another miscarriage, and her doctor just sat her down and Walt and said, you know, it would just really be unwise to uh, try that again. So in 1937, uh, uh, they adopted a, a two-week-year-old uh, uh, another daughter, uh, Sharon May, and uh, uh, Diane and Sharon were to be, you know, uh, the best uh, playmates, uh, but uh, Diane said, I thought she was just absolutely useless. They made this big deal about bringing home a playmate for me from the hospital, and the bassinet was so high, I couldn't look you know, I was about three years old. I couldn't look over. I saw these frills. It didn't move. It didn't talk to me. She said, I thought it was just absolutely worthless. And she said, uh, it, it, those first few years, because there was that that gap, uh, she couldn't do anything that I, I wanted to do. And so I put a sign on my bedroom that said, Everybody can come in except Sharon Disney. <laughs> and she said she'd just sit in the doorway and look at me, and I'd say, go away, I hate you. And, and she said, and, and all of my friends at school hated their sisters too, so this seemed fine. And uh, Diane said, isn't it just amazing that any of us grow up at all after all the, the terrible things that happen to us and the terrible things we do when we're kids? And how brothers and sisters actually get along with each other after all the uh, the torture that we put each other through. So, I, you know, and obviously, 
as they grow up, this is when we start to hear about Diane and Sharon's influence in a lot of what we look, you know, because of where we are today, we can think about, you know, we know the stories about Walt on Daddy's Day and his, how important his kids were to him. As, as busy as he was running this company and trying to do all it was, you know, Saturday was Daddy's Day. That was the day he took his daughters out. And we, we've heard the legendary stories of taking them to Griffith Park and sitting on the bench and watching them on the carousel. But it's important to sort of recognize that what we enjoy today is because of that. And, you know, I, I, we talk all the time about lessons that we learn from Walt Disney and things that he taught us about, you know, business and, and entrepreneurship and, and this sort of never die spirit. But I think one of Walt's most important quotes is, you know, a man should never put anything ahead of his family. And he really was a family man first and foremost. I think people kind of forget that and uh, what an influence his kids had on his life and, and his business, too. Uh, abs- absolutely true. And in fact, he tried to keep his uh, family life uh, separate uh, from the studio life. Now, some of that was the result that around this same time was the uh, Lindbergh baby kidnapping. And so a lot of celebrities were very concerned about that and added bars to the windows of their house and, and all of that. But Walt kept his daughters out of the uh, spotlight because he wanted them to have, you know, a, as normal a life as, as they could uh, uh possibly uh, have so I, I didn't he, I mean didn't is it true that he actually I mean he drove his his girls to school he drove his uh, daughters to school every day and and in fact uh, Diane shared a very uh, funny story uh, uh, with me when she was in elementary school this little g- girl one of her classmates uh, came up and um, said uh, uh, if I give you a nickel can I look at your dad when he drops you off tomorrow? <laughs> and uh, Diane said she was just infuriated. It she it, it was her dad. Why would anybody want to look at her dad and all that? So the next day she purposely made Walt uh, uh, park a block away from school just so this little girl wouldn't peek out from a tree looking at looking at Walt. And right. you wonder where that when that started to happen. That at what age she starts to recognize sort of who her father really is. Well, in elementary school, of course, there's that very famous story, and Walt loved telling it too. Is that um, at, at night he'd be sitting in in this uh, uh, big chair with uh, his uh, brown battered briefcase next to him, and he'd have scripts in his his lap, and he'd he'd be going over that. And uh, he said, uh, Diane came in and, and gave me that dirty Disney look, and uh, which Walt gave to employees, and he wasn't used to having it given to him. And, and she says, uh, give me your autograph. And, and he says, well, well, why do you want my, my autograph? And she says, well, this, this uh, girl at school asked if you were Walt Disney, and she wanted uh, uh, your autograph. And uh, are you Walt Disney? And, uh, uh, you know, uh, Walt laughed and said she didn't even know what an autograph was. Diane told me she was really infuriated. She had as much a, a temper as her dad did. It would explode like a volcano, and then it would, it would dissipate. And she said, uh, I, I just yelled at him, you never told me you were Walt Disney. <laughs> you know? And... Um, uh, you know, it, that, that was it. So in elementary school, they got a little brief taste. But, you know, Walt could have really have, have leveraged them. Imagine having pictures of your daughters hugging, a, you know, a Mickey Mouse doll or, or, or uh, dr- dressed up as a, a Disney cartoon character for Halloween or whatever. You get no pictures of Diane and, and, and Sharon until, you know, much, much later, other, other than just, you know, home movies and the, and the home pictures that were taken. And, and Walt was a, a, a devoted father. Not only did he drive them to uh, uh, school every day, He'd drive them to Sunday school and then pick them up after Sunday school. And Diane said Sunday was the best day because Daddy was home all day. And he taught them how to swim. Walt didn't know how to swim, but he taught them how to dog paddle. He'd be in the pool and they'd jump into his arms and he'd teach them how to... He taught them how to ride horses and things like this. And Did on, he teach them how to drive like when they were like yes, 12? Right? Yeah, 12 years old, taught them how to, to drive a car. They, he had taught them how to ride bicycles in the studio parking lot. And uh, taught them how to drive cars when they were 12 years old in the studio, and they hit things and all that. 
And uh, Diane said, oh, yeah, it was great. We'd follow him around and we'd get ice cream out of the ice cream machine. And uh, uh, then they'd, uh, she and Sharon would uh, run into one of the empty sound stages and do a shouting contest because there was an echo right. and, and all of this uh, uh, going on. And uh, so, so Walt never talked to them about, you know, uh, the studio or the cartoons or, gee, I'm, I'm strapped for cash and, and uh, all of that. She told me, uh, uh, Walt, of course, had... I told a, a story when Snow White uh, came out uh, where people were criticizing that the uh, uh, old witch, the old hag, was just too scary for kids. And he says, oh, no, my kids, you know, just love the witch. And I asked Diane about that, and she said, well, yes and no. She said, the first time I saw Snow White, it was at the studio. And she said, as soon as the old witch came on, I started screaming and crying. And before I knew it, I was outside <laughs> standing <laughs> And Daddy was there saying it was all right. And she said, but one of the games that uh, Walt would play with her and Sharon was the old witch. And he'd go, the old witch is coming. And they'd yell and scream and run around the house and try to hide in corners. Here comes the old witch. And she said, oh, we just love that game. We just love that game. We just laugh so much. And so uh, she also said... You know, we were treated like normal kids. You know, obviously, Dad had the money uh, to get us anything we wanted, pretty much. Uh, you know, one time I wanted a piano, and uh, we didn't get it because he felt that we shouldn't get everything that we asked for and that some of the things that we did want, we needed to wait for to see if that was really something we needed to have. So, Walt, just a, um, a, a magnificent... Uh, uh, a father and and hearing Diane uh, and w what a shame that uh, people now won't be able to hear this from Diane herself. Hearing Diane tell these stories, you you just see her become a a child again and just lighting up. That it was just uh, she she told me uh, Sharon and I decided that when we grew up we were going to marry Daddy. And then we discovered horses and decided we were going to marry a horse. And then we discovered boys. <laughs> and she says, I think Daddy was very upset about that by then. So, uh, uh, wonderful, wonderful stories. Now, now Lou, you met uh, Diane briefly, didn't you? I did. I, had, um, I was fortunate enough to meet her uh, on two occasions. Again, very briefly, uh, normally sort of in crowded environments. And the last time I met her was when we did our uh, group trip out to the Family Museum just this past April. We happened to be there while something else was going on, and I saw uh, Diane and Ron and a number of the other family members and children there. And it was one of those things that, um, you know, it's one of those opportunities that you sort of feel that you need to go over and, and say hello or introduce yourself or say thank you, whatever it was. And I was really surprised, Jim, again, the, the second time, how accessible, how welcoming, how friendly she was. She didn't feel as though you were making you feel like you were bothering her at all, despite everything else that was going on around you. She was laser-focused on you as if you were the only person in the room. She was very friendly. She greeted you with a smile, sort of a very warm handshake. And, you know, you said before, there was a, a certain class, a certain elegance and refinement to her, sort of that very old-school mm -hmm. style uh, that you were seeing, it really impressed me, and it really sort of, um, it, it struck me at there was no celebrity to her at all. Um, it wasn't, hey, I, I'm Walt Disney's child, but it was nice to be able to just go and say, you know, thank you for what you did with this museum. I mean, it, you know, we talked about sort of uh, my gratitude for her preserving her father, the man, her dad's mm -hmm. legacy like that, um, and I was very, very, very impressed just by her personally uh, and and again yeah almost regal like mm -hmm. royalty and and yet yes as as you said you know very friendly and very interested in you mm -hmm. as, as a person you know not that well i'm you know right. diane disney miller and all of this and uh you know it, it, she was just just like her dad uh, she was as as simple and as complicated as you you might uh, expect. You know, at one moment you might run into that uh, keen, uh, no nonsense uh, uh, business uh, uh, woman. You know, she once described herself as you know, well, I'm just a uh, a housewife. And uh, her husband Ron joked, "Yeah, if, if you like your housewives uh, tougher than steel, yes, she is." <laughs> um, you know, and then the next moment you would find this very 
shy, self-effacing, uh, almost like a Midwest uh, grandmother who could sometimes be, you know, just a little ditzy and, and distracted. And, 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 and it would flip-flop, you know, you, you, you wouldn't know which uh, uh, one. But what a magnificent uh, 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 woman. And, uh, uh, of course, when she moved up uh, to the San Francisco area, uh, she was involved in the Bay Area Art Council up there in the Symphony Orchestra, was on the board for... For that and, and all of that had a real appreciation uh, for the arts but we're sort of skipping ahead on the story uh, she went to um, uh, Immaculate Heart uh, uh, which was a girls school on Los Feliz and uh, she actually considered becoming a nun you know at, at one point and uh, then she uh, uh, moved to uh, USC and uh, she, her English, her major was English because she wanted to be a foreign correspondent. And in fact, she loved writing. And even as a kid, her dad would take her writing to the studio so that story men and all could go over it and see if it was any good, <laughs> if there was any potential, whatever. Um, you know, he wanted her to write the uh, uh, screenplay for uh, uh, Lieutenant Robin Crusoe, USN. And when Diane turned that down, that's when uh, Walt, you know, roughed out the, the the story himself after he came up with the uh, story idea. And he al- and and Diane always said, yeah, he always thought I was the intellectual, I was the smart one, and Sharon was the pretty one, because <laughs> Diane was a little bit of a tomboy. Well, at uh, USC, uh, Diane told me that you know uh, she had sort of adjusted to the fact that. People would look at her dad as a curiosity, but she said at, in college, that's when she got the first uh, uh, experience of her being looked at as a curiosity. In fact, uh, her first day there in the freshman dorm, a girl came running up to her and said, did you hear the news? Walt Disney's daughter uh, is, is going to be attending here. And Diane said, I just kept my mouth shut because all I could think of is, that poor girl, what's going to happen when she realizes she's talking to me, you know, and, 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 and telling me this. And on a blind date, she met this uh, uh, tall and attractive young guy. She's 19. Met this tall and attractive football uh, uh, player, Ron Miller. Now, in the past, um, the Disney family had not always approved of... Uh, people Diane had gone out with you know it was like nobody was good enough for our little princess type thing uh, but they did take a liking to Ron although uh, Ron, uh, Diane said Ron didn't like staying around the house too much whether he was afraid or intimidated or whatever and she said one day I was there waiting for Ron to come pick me up and mom and dad came in and said you know we really like Ron you know, and we think you're old enough so that if you ever decide you want to get married, we think you you uh, could, and we think uh, Ron is a Ron is a good catch. And she said, I almost dropped over dead. <laughs> My dad had given me lectures that uh, he didn't want us to be married until we were at least thirty because you don't understand anything until you. And here here I am, nineteen years old, and they're saying, Well, you know, Ron might be. And so I told Ron, and Ron flipped as well. And there was this look on his face like he was trapped and didn't know what to do. We had talked uh, 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 about marriage because, you know, we'd been going out and we couldn't see ourselves seeing anybody else. And she said a couple of days later, Ron came over for dinner. And uh, my dad and my mom came in and said, well, we understand you're you're thinking about getting married. <laughs> And uh, so Walt wanted to throw this huge wedding and all that. But uh, Diane had been raised that, you know, it, it's your private life. It's none, nobody else's uh, uh, business. And so she wanted a small uh, wedding up in uh, Santa Barbara with just a few close friends and uh, uh, family. Sharon was her maid of honor and the only attendant she had. And uh, Ron's brother was his uh, uh, best man. And she also got a taste of it because in L.A. she went and they went to get the uh, uh, marriage license and suddenly there were four or five photographers who would just, I guess, hang out in, right. in, in the courthouse to see if any famous name comes out. So uh, they got married in a, a, a small ceremony up in uh, Santa Barbara and um, Episcopalian church up there. And as part of that ceremony, uh, the minister says, uh, who gives away, you know, this woman and... And the father says, uh, her mother and I, you know, do. And she says, before it got to that point, she was hearing this 
sobbing and she turns and there's tears running down Walt's face mm. and he can barely say the, these words and she says I reached out and I grabbed his hand and gave it a little squeeze and we just looked at each other and we went on with, with uh, the ceremony and she said by the time of the reception uh, he was his uh, he was his old gay funny self he was uh, you know laughing and the life of the party and and all of that and, and she says you know um uh, this was 1953 they got married, and uh, Ron was uh, on the verge of being drafted. In fact, five months later, went into the uh, uh, military. And so Walt did everything he, he could to help uh, uh, the newlyweds uh, illegally. He uh, loaned them the studio car because they couldn't afford a car. <laughs> so the car they drove around to pick up groceries was the studio car. She says, I don't know whether we should be telling people that. That's, that's, that's illegal now. And um, he designed their first house and then used the uh, architects at the Disney studio to help, you know, refine some of those things. But he's the one. And she says she, he knew everything about space. And she said, you know, I'd come over and he'd pull out his wallet and pull out 10 bucks. And he says, you probably need this. And I said, no, Dad, no, no, no. And he says, look, look, this is the only way I can give you something without the government taking part of it, you know. Uh, 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 do this and um, when Ron came back from the uh, they, they had their uh, first child uh, uh, Christopher and Walt was sort of disappointed it wasn't called Walt Walter and and then Diane had a couple of girls after that but eventually there was a Walter Elias Disney Miller and so Walt finally got and, and he says and you put the Elias in there too um <laughs> He finally uh, uh, got that, but he loved his, his grandchildren. And, and Diane said, I knew he always wanted a big family, and so this was one of the ways uh, I could pay him back was by giving him all these uh, these grandchildren for, for him to uh, uh, enjoy. And then uh, when um, Ron came back from the military... Uh, he was uh, playing, uh, continued to play at uh, USC because they were. She was 19. Ron was just barely 20 when they got married, um, and uh, uh, you know he, he was going to be a professional football player. And, and Walt saw uh, uh, one of those games where uh, Ron got sacked, and he says, "No, he's working at the studio." <laughs> I'm not having my son-in-law out there getting getting hit by by, by all of this stuff, and um, so you know Diane led uh, you know a a, a, a nice uh, quiet life with the passing of her dad in '66. Uh, she actually take took his place on the board of directors of the Disney Studio. A lot of people don't uh, realize that, and uh, of of course um, uh, Ron was was promoted. Uh, uh, to uh, uh, president, and then in '78, uh, I believe uh, he became CEO of the Disney Company as well to keep that uh, uh, Disney uh, legacy uh, uh, alive. And uh, uh, we can do a whole new another podcast on on Ron because I, he he made so many contributions to the Disney Company. It's because of him there was the Disney Channel, there was the the Touchstone brand and Splash as a movie. Condor Man. Condor, a Condor Man, yes. <laughs> the Black Hole. Right? Uh, so, uh, you know, but he did make uh, some significant, uh, in, in fact, Disney's first foray into uh, Broadway was under was under uh, uh, Ron, and Ron brought in Tim Burton. Well, we'll go on with that. But but uh, he got shoved out in, in 84, um, you know, um, but, uh, you know, uh, Diane w- was quite content to, to live this, you know, quiet life and of uh, philanthropy, mm-hmm. you know, uh, contributing and supporting so many organizations, but again, doing it uh, quietly. And so you don't have any quotes from Diane about, you know, new right. Disney films coming out or Mickey right. She Mouse. was not really involved with the company at all. She was doing her own thing. Ab- absolutely. In fact, when I first met her and started to talk to her, she said, well, I love the stories that you write because I was so I only knew Dad at home. I didn't know Dad at work. So when you when you're sharing some of these stories, uh, you know it, it it's giving me you know a, a, it fills in some of the jigsaw puzzle pieces, some of the things that are missing. And so uh, in '76, uh, along with Lillian, uh, uh, Diane and and Ron uh, bought some uh, land up in uh, Napa Valley in San Francisco, and then by 1980. They opened this Silverado winery because they found that, uh, you know, the fruit they were producing and all this were 
producing some pretty nice wines for other people. They might as well just do this themselves. And so more or less moved up uh, to San Francisco because uh, Diane was fed up with the uh, 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 Disney uh, studio and how it was being run and all of that and that her, her husband had been pushed out, you know, uh, unceremoniously and, and, and then blamed for everything that was wrong and not given credit for anything that was right and was going to spend the time up there. And again, she got involved with organizations up there in the Bay Area and all of that. It wasn't until 1997, and that's when uh, Lillian passed away, uh, Lillian had donated $50 million to the building of um, the Walt Disney uh, Concert Hall in Los Angeles. Uh, because the family wanted Walt's wealth to be used for something that would, uh, uh, you know, benefit the community, benefit the arts, all of that. But when Lillian uh, passed away, the committee decided that, no, they weren't going to go with uh, Frank uh, Geary, uh, that uh, he was, his company was inexperienced and all of that. At that particular point, Diane stepped in and withheld the rest of the money and said, this is what we agreed on, is he is going to do this, and I support his design, and the whole bit, and that's all there is to it. And so Geary was brought back, and, and actually the board was very gracious. Once the hall opened in 2004, they said, no, Diane was absolutely right. Whatever misgivings we had were, were completely wrong. This was it. And around that same time is uh, some books are coming out, in particular uh, Mark Elliott's uh, The Dark Prince of Hollywood terrible book, terrible for lots of reasons. We can do a whole podcast <laughs> on that where I can go through not only the errors in the, that book, but, you know, why Elliot went uh, to, to writing that in the first place. And Diane saw that the Disney company was not stepping up to the bat and saying, well, these things are wrong. And, and now Diane never complained if people said something bad about her dad. She said, yeah, he had a he had a temper. I know there are some people who, who didn't like him. He, he, you know, he, he was a human being. What she disliked was everybody who made those psychological jumps. Oh, he did this because he really didn't love Lillian. Right. You know, he didn't take Lillian to this because he really didn't love Lillian. No, it was because Lillian didn't want to go to that, that event. And, and so that was her complaint with the Neil Gabler book that's out there, too, is that uh, Gabler doesn't just write the uh, facts, and there's some really great facts in there, is he makes some psychological assumptions, and they're, and they're completely off the bat. He never met Walt, obviously. No, absolutely not. And so um, Diane had to step out of, the, out of the shadows. I remember the very first time I met her was at uh, one of the Disneyana conventions that they had out here in Florida back in the days when Disney really did those terrific Disneyana uh, conventions. And she wasn't announced. She was a surprise guest because she wanted to have the right to back out, you know, the minute before she went up on, on stage because she was really scared of uh, the Disney fans. She had no idea. She, she felt that they were going to be bored listening to her or they were going to storm the stage, you know, to, to, to try and grab at her arm or something like that. You know, I touched Diane Disney, you know, uh, that type of thing. She was absolutely scared. And she got up there on stage and uh, started to talk, started to tell a couple of stories. Uh, she went on longer than she was scheduled. She wanted a very, you know, little short slot uh, because, you know, the, you could drop a pin in, in that audit. Hundreds of people, they're on their edge of their seats. They're leaning in. They're afraid to breathe because they'll miss a word. Because, again, she, she, she was very quiet. You know, and uh, all of this. And then I saw her. This is when I first met her, is when she was immediately brought off stage. And I got a chance to talk with her briefly. And she was just overwhelmed. She was just overwhelmed at the love that, that she thought it was a fluke. That all, You know. Well, because her story is unique because you may hear from people that knew Walt and they worked with Walt. But that was his only daughter. And that was really sort of the first time that we were able to, we, I was not there, but yeah. we as a community were able to hear from, mm -hmm. you know, Walt's child. Yes, absolutely. And uh, so it then, it then started to uh, uh, progress from there. And uh, especially when the uh, Walt Disney Concert Hall uh, opened to such success in 2004, that's when she started to think about, you know, I'm going to do something more public, you know. I'm going to be the public face. That's why she showed up in 2005 for the 50th of Disneyland. Um, 
she gave permission, you know, uh, she had written, well, she hadn't, she, she was very self-effacing about this. There's the, there's the book, the, the story of Walt Disney by Diane Disney Miller is told to Pete Martin. And, and she was always very embarrassed. She said, I wish they would change that. She said it was Pete Martin who did all of that. She said, what happened is Saturday evening post had come to my dad and offered him uh, $150,000, you know, to be interviewed, to write his, uh, 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 autobiography, you know, in six chapters, and Walt didn't want to do that. He felt that biographies were f- for people who had already accomplished everything they were already going to accomplish, and he still had so much more to do. But he knew that Ron and Diane needed the money, also wanted to support her writing, and so offered and said, well, my daughter could do that. So they immediately cut the offer in half, and Diane said, I understood that. And she said, I was there at the tapings, and I, I, I sometimes, I, I, I piped up every now and then, but I, I have the recordings, and I have the transcript, and, and there are reels where Pete uh, Martin is just interviewing her, and she is just magnificent. But anyway, uh, that book came out, and she owned the copyright on it, and she allowed that as a limited edition uh, reprinting in 2005 i bet a lot of people don't know that and and that's that's one uh, another book you should uh, track down for your uh, uh library but anyway uh, she decided she needed to step up and be the public face and that she was worried that uh the disney company was marketing her dad as a thing mm-hmm. like another disney cartoon character or whatever and that that there's an entire generation that had grown up not seeing walt on tv and she wanted a place where she could showcase the uh, Walt as a uh, a son, a brother, a husband, a, a father, and and she's done an absolute magnificent job up there. Well, and just you know the timing too, because that's when mm-hmm. we're starting to hear that college students think that Walt Disney is like Aunt Jemima or the Quaker Oats guy. It's not really a real. We, and we yeah. today say you know we can't believe that. So. Not that she was sort of forced to be brought out, but she, this is when she sort of to need. She felt the need to sort of take up the sword and be the champion of his personal legacy, which was not being acknowledged, at least in a positive way, anywhere else. Right, and 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 the company was it wasn't uh, uh, coming out that way. Uh, very similar uh, to uh, Roy E. Disney, who had to. Uh, uh, step up in 1984 to take over uh, uh, animation. I, w- I was telling you a little earlier that uh, when Eisner and uh, Katzenberg came on board and was looking at, um, you know, uh, Disney Film Entertainment and all of that, they had made the decision that there were plenty of Disney animated features and cartoons, and you could just re-release those every seven years for eternity. So that was fine. There was no reason to continue because uh, animation was uh, time-consuming, time it was labor-intensive, it was expensive, and, you know, you really didn't get uh, as much of a, a re- immediate return on it. And uh, so Eisner was seriously considering closing the animation department. Now, what had happened is Roy had uh, helped Eisner get his position. And so Eisner knew that Roy had a marker that he was going to call in. And so he, he literally was in a cold sweat. What was this going to be about? And is this going to, you know, interfere with things that I really want to do, you know, with the parks and, you know, uh, bringing this and whatever. And it was Roy who said, no, I want to be in charge of animation. And Eisner let out this sigh of relief because he could see that animation was just going downhill. And so he figured, you know what? This is great because this pays off the debt to Roy. And when animation goes under, it goes under in the hands of a Disney. And my hands are clean. Now, of course, when, you know, Little Mermaid hits and all that, now it's Eisner, who's the genius, yes, that I could see that this needed to be revitalized and all this. And so uh, Roy, of course, also had all of these uh, little side projects that helped out uh, uh, tremendously in terms of uh, uh, animation. One of them was uh, uh, restoring uh, Richard uh, Williams' uh, masterpiece, The Thief and the Cobbler. Uh, and that didn't get completed, unfortunately. Well, Roy passed away. You don't have a champion for that. Roy was the champion who said, yes, you open the Disney archives to Leslie Iwerks so she can get that material and those images she can use in a documentary and use in her, her book. That's Roy stepping up to the bat for that. And so many things. And he didn't want... Um, 
uh, any uh, uh, recognition for that. You know, uh, he just did it because it was the right thing to do. I was say there seems to be a, a consistent pattern of humility uh, among the Disney's. Yes, that that you know, uh, just because we're at Disney doesn't make us anything, uh, you know, special. And it's almost like. Um, it's our responsibility to give back. I, I, I was, especially with the, uh, you know, uh, the uh, anniversary of uh, the assassination of John F. Kennedy. I've been watching all of these uh, specials on TV. And at one time, you know, Adlai Stevenson, uh, before JFK was uh, uh, going to be a, the Democratic nominee for uh, president. And Adlai Stevenson was an intellectual and came from a very wealthy family, he did not want to go into politics. But if you read about him, he feels that it's his responsibility. Because he had been given so much, he needed to return. And he saw public service as the way of doing that. And, and I think the Disney family did that uh, as well. Diane did so many things um, behind the scenes. She's, she's supported so many uh, Disney historians, uh, not only in in their uh, uh, research, but but just as a cheerleader of, oh, I love that, and you need to do more of that, and you need to get that out there. So, you know, J.B. Kaufman's uh, two books on uh, Snow White that came out last uh, Christmas, and the one that's going to be coming out that he wrote on uh, Pinocchio, that's all due to Diane Disney and, and pulling strings and doing things and, and going that. Uh, Didier Getz is going to have a wonderful book out in... Uh, uh, December called Disney's Grand Tour, which focuses just on one year of Walt's life, 1935, which was a pivotal year. And um, I talked with uh, 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 Didier on the day uh, Diane passed away, and he was just in tears that she would not be able to, to see the physical copy of that book. She wrote the foreword. She had seen the final draft and all that, but he wanted to be able to give her you know, a hard copy uh, of the book and say thank you so much. This book would not exist without you and 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 everything that you did, and and she's done lots of that. And and uh, again, she had so many uh, 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 programs and uh, uh, educational projects and all that. Uh, and in they, the they do it. They, they see. It, I mean, they do it at the museum too. They very much sort of foster these kind of things for young kids or young artists to come in and sort of learn and share their their work as well too well I, I, I'll, I'll, uh, I, but I'll tell you how shy she, she was I did a presentation up at uh, the family museum on um, Walt's love of outer space and uh, I uh, I'd gotten a chance to have lunch with uh, uh, Diane and Ron and that's a whole nother podcast in itself and we had chili just like Walt and um, I was I was told you know don't be um, Upset if Diane doesn't show up for your presentation. We're recording it, you know, so she can watch it, but she sometimes doesn't like to show up because she doesn't want to steal, you know, attention. But we always leave these seats in the back open for Ron and Diane. So I'm starting my, my presentation, and out of the corner of my eye, I see Ron and Diane come in and sit for my presentation. But I had also been warned by the... You know, as your presentation ends, they'll leave because, again, they don't want to attract attention. They don't want to steal attention uh, from you. And um, they not only stayed, Diane asked questions. (laughs) And later people at the museum go, do you know how unusual that is? He never (laughs) And I said, really? (laughs) But, but yeah, uh, she she was... Well, she always liked you, and she liked liked the kind of work because... Not to compare, but like her, you very much are interested in preserving the legacy of Walt and sharing the stories of that. And I think she likes that you help to be a positive voice for her father and and the stories that most people don't get a chance to hear. Yes, she, and and she told that we we corresponded by email, we talked on the phone, all of that. And again, she wrote the foreword for my uh, first book, the first uh, Vault of Walt book. And and in there, it, it's like, you know, I love Jim's writing. He doesn't put my dad up on a pedestal. He You know, he just tells the facts. But I can really hear the sound of my dad when I'm reading his story. And I'm sitting there going, okay, take me now. It's never going to get better right. than this. Right. There's no higher compliment you could be paid than hearing that from Walt's daughter. And, 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 and again, I just had uh, and still have such great affection and and uh, uh, respect for her, you know, she's just just an incredible, incredible woman. And and again, that's that's why it it, it makes it 
so frustrating, so so sad that you know uh, the simplest uh, of things can take somebody from you in a moment. Mm-hmm. You know how how fragile and 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 tentative uh, uh, life is, and 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 I'm I'm sure her 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 family is just uh, devastated. And and to show you again how private the family is, they they said you know don't don't send notes and cards and flowers and things like that, but but make a donation to the Walt Disney Family Museum. They've set up a special uh, Diane Disney uh, Memorial Fund, so you can find that uh, uh, on on their uh, uh, website there. But uh, you know she had she had seven kids. She had um, thirteen grandkids, and and what was wonderful was uh, just a short while ago she was able to see her first great-granddaughter you know how 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 amazing uh, is that for uh, for people and um i I know there's been a a lot of uh, wonderful tributes out there uh i i would recommend uh, taking a look on on the web for uh, leonard malton Mm -hmm. uh who who did a wonderful uh piece on her and one of the things that leonard said that i wish i had said but i'm going to say (laughs) it now anyway because leonard's not here is he said every time you were with Diane, you were almost pinching yourself because you're, I'm with Walt Disney's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with Walt yeah. Disney's daughter. Oh my gosh, you know, and and um, uh, uh, just pinching away. And she had a, a, a great sense of curiosity, you know, just like her her dad. Uh, you know, you always read about how curious uh, Walt was. She was always curious, and and the, and the joy that would. Uh, uh, Come on, on her face. Uh, up at the up at the museum, somebody had brought in. Um, Walt had done uh, two ads for um, uh, Desoto, a Desoto car, and uh, was showing these to Diane. They were big full page ads that were in things like Life and Look. And she goes, "That's just odd because Dad never drove a Desoto, and he always liked convertibles, and that's not a convertible." And I said, "Oh well, the story behind that is." Um, that DeSoto came and all of that, and your dad said, "Well, I can't do that. I, I don't need another car, and I don't drive DeSoto." But uh, his mom and dad, uh, Elias and Flora, were alive, and they said, "Well, we don't have a car," <laughs> and so Walt did it so they could have a, a, a car. And um, her face just like she said, "Oh my! He would do something like that. That's just so marvelous." And later, I sent her uh, documentation to to. Uh, uh, reinforce that I, I had a uh, a quote from Sharon Disney, who had passed away from cancer in 1993, um, and uh, you know to to confirm that. But she was just so excited, just so excited that this information had come out and and that it was available, and other people, you know, uh, uh, could have that. So, um, and and again, the sad thing too is there's. Lots of questions I wanted to ask her, and 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 some I, I always just hesitated and never asked her because uh, some of them were you know a, a little in uh, uh, gray areas that might have set off her her temper simply because it was a private area, and and uh, I you know I. Uh, many times I said, "Oh, you should let people know that." She says it's none of their business. <laughs> and, and as I said, uh, um, uh, she shared some stories with me. Maybe I'll I'll share those later down the the line. But uh, again, she didn't want to share too many stories because then people took them, and there were, it was no longer her story. It was no longer her story of of her and uh, and her dad. So I I I I think we'll give some respectful time, but. Again, I think those stories should be out there. Just like um, uh, so many other people, Ron Heminger told me some great stories, and he said, uh, uh, but you can't write any of these down. You need to promise you can't write any of these down because I'm going to write a book one day. And that was 13 years ago. (laughs) 13 years ago. That's Uh, why you said you never tell people you're writing a book because they're just like, you told me 13 years ago you were writing it. And so, so, yeah, you know, that was just great. And... uh, you know, I'm I'm fortunate in uh, one of the new books that I have out, the Vault of Walt Volume Two. I'm 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 fortunate in two ways. First off, I have a wonderful foreword by Lou Mangiello, uh, but also in the book I have a chapter which is called uh, "The Cute Disney Story That Never Was," and um, I had I had uh, uh, written uh, uh, this story about. Uh, 
uh, Diane and and, and uh, uh, Sharon and Lillian going uh, going to to Europe and uh, uh, Diane wrote to me and she said that's not true at all and I said but your dad said this for American Magazine and then he also repeated this for that she said my dad always loved to exaggerate <laughs> sometimes you know embellish a story she says there's truth in there but that's not the exact way it happened. And so she told me the exact way it happened. And so uh, in the book, I have the story that Walt told. So you'll see that core of truth in there. Um, and then her version of it, and it's an even better story. It's an even better story. And, and it, I think it's better because it's in her own words as that, that comes in. But, you know, again, that's why uh, I write books because I feel... These stories need to be recorded or they're going to be lost. You know, how many stories are lost? With with Diane's passing, how many stories are lost right. that only she knew, that only she could tell? And uh, and she didn't know everything. You know, she didn't know a lot of the people that her dad worked with, you know, at, at work or, or uh, that. She didn't know that sometimes her dad was really stressed about uh, uh, finances because he kept it hidden, you know, from his kids and and things like that. But there are stories out there, and it's important to uh, uh, get these down. I, I, I know one reviewer said, oh, yes, uh, uh, Vault of Vault, Volume 2, yes, it's a it's a fun book, but these are just really, you know, as, as slight stories, you know? They're just not, And it's like, no, you're missing the whole point. The, the, these are the stories that you can't find in any other book. The, these are the stories between the lines. These are... These are the stories that come after the one-sentence description of, uh, of, of this going, going on. And, and, yes, Diane stocked all of my books prominently out there at, at, at the museum, you know, uh, facing out. So you see the cover <laughs> for crying out loud, you know. Um, and just one of the many, many ways that uh, uh, she supported me. But I, I tried my best not to abuse that friendship because... A lot of people did, especially when the um, Walt Disney Family Museum was being built. She brought on uh, a couple of people, and the people charged um, first-class plane flights and and, uh, expensive meals and the the top-of-the-line hotels and all that. And when those bills started coming in, it was like, you know, we don't don't expect you to be living out of a Motel 6, but (laughs) we we don't expect... The penthouse service, you know, and uh, uh, but they figure, oh, well, it's Disney. They got deep pockets. They've got all of this here, and and I think uh, that uh, you know, even as a newlywed, you know, they scru- struggled for money. So Diane was very aware of the importance uh, of money. I, I tell people I'm in, at that point in my life where people should really give me money because I know how to use it now. When I was younger, I, I would I, I would have just thrown it away, thrown it away on, on Las Vegas and and uh, uh, you know private libraries and 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 whatever. Well, look, that that's why I like you coming on because you do share the stories that we're not going to find anywhere else. And, and I say this to you all the time, and it's not just because you're mm-hmm. here, but but uh, nobody tells a story the way you do. And and what makes your storytelling both on the show and in the books so interesting and so valuable it's not just the way that you tell it but you're you know you are an incredible researcher and you also are able to draw from your personal experience and your personal knowledge that other people can't get you know the fact that you've met diane you spoke with Mm -hmm. diane gives you uh, a certain insight that those of us who may have met her only briefly uh, could never sort of touch and that's why i I love the vault of walt books i have to have you come back on not just to talk more about Vault of Walt, but certainly the Book of Mouse as well, too, because nobody saw this book coming, and you're showing me a a galley copy today, and I'm fascinated by not just how you have the book laid out, but the information that's in there, uh, all about, you know, Walt's one and only favorite son, uh, I I guess, but again, uh, this was a very nice and hopefully interesting tribute and celebration of uh, Walt's daughter that maybe we didn't know beforehand, and I think you're right, I think you said something early on about we will not get a firm understanding of her legacy and her value and and more Mm -hmm. of these stories until months or years go by. But I I am very grateful to you 
for coming on now to sort of introduce us uh, on a much more personal level to Sharon the person, not just Sharon Walt's daughter. Yes, and I think in the comments section, this is a perfect place for those listeners who did meet her at, uh, you know, the Family Museum or even worked up at the Family Museum, whatever. I, I, I'll bet that you have uh, stories much similar to the ones that we share about how gracious and elegant she was and, uh, uh, you know, if if she smiled, you know your your heart smiled uh, as well. And and as uh, Lou said, yeah, for years I've been wor- working on a one source resource book for Mickey Mouse, complete filmography of movie and TV, uh, Mickey in the parks, uh, ten pages of uh, quotes by Walt on on Mickey Mouse, and all sorts of little Mickey Mouse uh, uh, fun facts that uh, on. Um, uh, Christmas 1937, uh, Adolf Hitler got a Christmas gift from uh, Joseph Goebbels of 18 Mickey Mouse cartoons because Hitler loved watching them in his private screening room. So go to uh, themeparkpress.com and, and you'll find more out uh, about these books. You can see some samples of those if you don't want to go immediately to Amazon. Lou, always a delight to talk to you. We've got to do this more often, you know, and, and I appreciate you uh, uh, buying me breakfast. And, and for those of you who have seen the new and improved and slender Lou, he was on his best behavior. His mouth watered for macadamia pineapple uh, pancakes and Tonga toast, but he had a uh, egg white omelet and fruit. Egg white omelet and fruit. Yeah, we have to do this more often. We have to get you back again and uh, of course we'll, we'll we'll definitely sort of plan it around a, another meal together as well because i enjoy not just your stories and not just your work but most importantly i enjoy your friendship and it right back at you buddy and uh i, I I'm, I'm sure 20 years from now people are going to be uh asking me well what are the lou Mangello <laughs> stories that oh you can't tell that. those <laughs> well when he was interviewing me on the podcast he was always you know checking his texts and he was picking his teeth and he was playing with squirrels running around you know we gotta get this non-disclosure agreement signed <laughs> as soon as possible all right again jim corcus uh book of mouse vault of vault i'll put links in the show notes to all this kind of stuff as well look forward to having you back thank you again Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week. I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or trivia. See how well you pay attention to the details in what you see or maybe even in what you hear. I then randomly select one entry from all the correct entries for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last time I was talking about the Brad Bird film Tomorrowland, which was actually shooting in Walt Disney World's Tomorrowland when I was recording the show. So your question was about one of my favorite attractions, the classic Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress. And your question was this. Tell me the names of the parents in the Carousel of Progress. Well, again, hundreds of you either Googled very well or loved the show and really pay attention because you knew that the parents' names are John and Sarah. And if you paid close attention, you learned Sarah's name while she's making the costumes for the 4th of July parade. So again, I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and the winner of the audio tours, luggage tag, button, and signed copy of my Walt Disney World Trivia Book Volume 2 is Mary Bella. So Mary, congratulations. Send me your address. I'll get your prize package out to you right away. If you didn't win last week, that's okay, because here's your next chance in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So on this week's show, hopefully we all learned a little bit more about Diane Disney Miller and that uh, she had a sister, Sharon. But do you know the name of Walt's siblings? That's your question for this week. Tell me the names of all of Walt Disney's siblings. I'll give you a hint and a head start. One was named Roy. You have until Sunday, December 1st at 11.59 p.m. Again, you'll be playing for all the audio tours, a luggage tag, button and a signed copy of my Walt Disney World Trivia Book Volume 2. Hey, listen, if you're looking for a holiday gift for somebody, here you go if you have one for yourself. So you have until Sunday, December 1st, 11.59 p.m. to send your answers to contest at www.radio.com. Good luck and have fun.
that's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in. In the spirit of Thanksgiving, I really want to take a minute to thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in every week and for the friendship and support you have given me throughout this year and for so, so long. Don't forget that in addition to the podcast, which you can subscribe to over on iTunes, be sure and visit the website at wdwradio.com. There you can check our multiple daily blog posts from lots of great contributors. There's also our fun, free, family-friendly discussion forums. You can sign up for our free email newsletter with lots of exclusive content, contests, offers, and much more. You can download the free WDW Radio app. You can check out my new videos, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and lots more. Again, everything is over at wdwradio.com. You can also shop for my Walt Disney World trivia books and audio tours there as well. You know I love hearing from you, so if you have a question you want answered on the air, you can email me at lou at wdwradio. You can also call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Lou Mangiello. And come like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash wdwradio. But as much as I love hearing from you online, nothing beats a handshake and a hug. And our final meet of the month in Walt Disney World is going to be Sunday, December 22nd in downtown Disney. And it's going to be a little something special because this is going to be our special holiday edition. We're going to start off at 9 a.m. at downtown Disney's Earl of Sandwich, where you can come in your favorite ugly Christmas sweater if you want, enjoy some breakfast, and then we're going to head on over to the first scheduled showing of Saving Mr. Banks over at the downtown Disney AMC Theater. More information, times, and location can be found on the events page both at www.radio.com and at facebook.com slash Radio. Big thanks, as always, to my partners and sponsors, including Mouse Fan Travel. They are my official recommended travel provider, whether you're coming out to Walt Disney World, over to Disneyland, Adventures by Disney, Disney Cruise Line, Alani, whatever it may be. You can check out mousefantravel.com for the best possible prices, all available discounts. Most importantly, an incredible level of personal service that is their hallmark. And as always, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Tell your friends about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Come by, comment, and share links over on Facebook. And please come by, rate and review the show and the apps over in iTunes as well. And again, I don't need Thanksgiving Day to be thankful to all of you for listening and for letting me share my passion for Disney with you. And I want you to feel that same way, that same way of being excited every morning about what you do. So remember, you always still have time to create your fate. Don't be afraid to risk, to leap, or to change, and never, ever settle, and always keep moving forward. Have a great week, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. See ya. Hi, Lou. This is Tim in Swanee, Georgia. Just finished listening to episode 342, and I'm sure everybody in the listening audience feels like I do. It was so great to hear a little bit about the man behind the story, and we appreciate uh, you and Ridley sharing a little of your personal story. It was very inspiring and just a whole lot of fun, and thanks a lot, and we appreciate again how much you how much work you put into the stuff you do that we get to enjoy. So thanks a lot, Lou. Bye-bye. Hi, Lou. This is Brian Harvey, also known as Brian Harvey 967 in the box, for all the box people out there. I just wanted to say thank you so much. You have made my day like you can't believe when you drew my name for the trivia contest last week. I am so looking forward to the holiday event with the National Fantasy Fan Club. Anxious to see you there have to say that when I moved here three years ago, and it took me a year and a half, but I have heard every single one of your podcasts. I listen to it every week, and I'm in the box on Wednesday nights, and I'm so happy that our life paths have crossed. Love your motivational messages that you put up every day. I love your podcast, and we're going to get you that Podcast of the Year Award, Lou. Keep up the great work, and I'll see you at the next meet and greet. Thanks, Lou. You've got a friend in me. Yeah.